0: beside all we stand as we uh, read our scripture reading for today this Sabbath day uh, that will be on uh, Revelation 12 3 and 4 and another sign appeared in heaven behold a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads he still drew a third of the stars on heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. Amen. Amen. Good morning. The scripture reading that was read to us just moments ago was the correct one even though it's not the correct one listed in the bulletin and that's because pastor tom currently was too tired yesterday and i saved my sermon to the wrong file i saved it to my desktop instead of my thumb drive and so when i came here i realized what i had done so that's the bad news the good news is that i had another sermon on my thumb drive that i don't think that you heard before so you're going to hear that one and the other one you'll hear later on so i guess this is the right one you're supposed to hear today so I wanna, uh, there's other little caveats. Um, it says the most effective ways to unmask the devil's lies. If you're a fan of bats, please. Uh, I apologize, this is what AI did. When I typed in my words on my PowerPoint, the slide put up something that it thought it looked like a devil, <laughs> you know, and it's a bat, it's not a devil, I realized that. But when I substituted the word devil for dragon, Then this cute little iguana came up, and I said, well, that's not going to work either. So uh, this is what you're stuck with, so that's that. So we want to welcome our online audience. We're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, I was actually so excited to preach the sermon that I was planning to preach because I thought, oh, it's going to be with the new screens and everything like this. But you'll still get the new screen vibe and effect. It's just that it'll be a different sermon. But we're so glad to have our online audience here with us. We're making these improvements, not just for us here aesthetically, for us to worship in this environment, but so that it's pleasing to what your eyes can see. We've got more lights on, and so we're so excited that you join us from week to week. It's just thrilling to know that you're out there. And please, tell your friends, as the sign says, or the, the slide says, you can find more messages like this at www3 angelschurch Oh, no, I didn't change that either. Oh, dear. So Middletown Portland Church, yeah, that shows that you are getting a new message. You haven't heard this. But, yes, that's our other church. Uh, ThreeAngelsChurch.org and then you can go to MiddletownPortlandChurch.com. Is that right? Is it .com? It's .org also over there. So, okay. And then there's my YouTube channel, Path of Prophecy. So anyways, uh, yeah, it's been a very busy week and it's not letting up. So keep Pastor Tom in prayer here. But let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father God, we are so grateful that we have your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Without it, we would be in a very, very dark world. But you have been gracious to us. So it's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be with us. And as we open your word, it is my prayer that our hearts would be open to you, that we would be able to discern what you are saying to us through this message. Father, I am just uh, just dust and ashes in your sight. And what I'm sharing is just nothing but loaves and fish, but you can bless it and make it a meal. So I pray that your people would leave here satisfied and their faith strengthened. And I thank you for hearing and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the message is: uh, this is just uh, this came out a few weeks ago, and it was very appropriate when I did preach it over at the Three Angels Church. So this bit of knowledge will be very helpful to you. I'm going to share some some very helpful knowledge that can save your life. Amen? If there is ever a dangerous moment. Did you know that just uh, standing in six inches of fast-moving floodwater can actually knock over an adult? Okay? So, the idea is that if you ever come to a road or and you have to walk through it and there's some water there, it's fast-moving water, you may want to avoid it because you might... It might knock you over, but listen to this. It takes just 12 inches of rushing water to carry away most cars. There was several years ago, my wife and I and our family, we were leaving on a family vacation or we were going somewhere and there had been a terrific rainstorm and on our street there was a little, just a little low point and a creek that was next to the road had overflowed because of all the water and we had to turn around. I wasn't willing to take that risk of driving through that because the water was flowing so much. And that's because just 12 inches, that's just a foot, you know. That's pretty deep, but it's it's not for a car, that's not that deep. But 12 inches of fast moving water can carry away an entire car. Okay. So you never want to risk that. And just two feet of rushing water can carry away an SUV or a truck. So it is never Safe to drive or walk in floodwaters. When is it safe to drive in a floodwater? Never, thank you. Yeah, never. It is never safe. Okay, so I share that with you for a very important reason. So the message today, as I shared, the most effective way to unmask the devil's lies. Do you know that the devil is a liar? He is. And I want to teach you today how to unmask his lies, so that you can know what he's talking about. And Rex had read to us our scripture reading. The scripture reading reference is Revelation chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. But here we go. Now, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with a dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. So the scripture reading says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with a dragon and the dragon and his angels fought." Now, what the Bible is telling us is that of all places in heaven and earth, there was a war in heaven. We don't imagine that there would be a war in heaven, but this is what the Bible is telling us. Now, what is this war all about? What took place in heaven? Well, Jesus sheds some light on this problem when he shared this with the people of his time. And these people were not receiving the message that Jesus wanted to share with them. And he explained what their problem was, why they were not able to understand who he was and what their intention towards him was. And it's found in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So, in addressing the religious leaders of his day, Jesus identified them with the devil. Because of why? Well, they had a plot that they were hatching to try to kill Jesus. Now imagine that. These were religious leaders, and we often think of religious leaders as being what? Holy, good, righteous, but instead they were plotting to kill Jesus. They were plotting to murder him, okay? And so in his statement, Jesus reveals not only what their intentions were, but he reveals the character of the devil. He says he was a murderer from the beginning, and he is a liar. He is actually the father of lies. And what that means is that he is the one who has perpetuated lies from the very beginning. Now, how did he do this? What did he do? Well, listen to this. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, says, this was part of our scripture reading this morning, says this, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, <clears throat> what is John, who wrote these words in Revelation, what is he trying to communicate to his audience when he uses this imagery, that this dragon had a tail and his tail was able to draw a third of the stars of heaven. Well, this is John's way of describing what Jesus was addressing back there with the religious leaders. When Jesus said that the devil is a murderer from the beginning and the father of lies, This. Is what he was referring to. (coughs) What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to put two verses side by side. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. How about this? Instead of me turning behind myself, I can go to the side here. But here, over here, this, this doesn't show on the screen. But on the left, it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. What we want to find out is, what does a tail represent? Okay, the Bible uses a lot of symbolism. Well, if we go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 15, it actually tells us what a tail is a symbol of. It says, The elder and honorable, he is the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. So the tail, John is using symbolic language, and the dragon, of course, has a tail, but that tail was used to do what? To tell lies about God to tell lies about God. So John uses the symbol of the dragon's tail <coughs> to show us how this war started and its consequences. The dragon told lies, or the devil told lies about God, and few people, listen to this, few people realize how powerful the lies of the devil really are. Hey. Okay? Very few people realize how powerful the lies of the devil really are. The word translated, it says here, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. And what it means to draw is to like entice. Okay? But I'm going to explain a little bit further what this word uh, its full meaning is, because it's it's very powerful when we understand it in this context here. The word translated as drew actually occurs in the Bible, in the New Testament, only five times. How many times? Five times. Okay, now I'm going to give you a quiz on this in a few minutes. So I want you to understand that. It occurs how many times? Five times. Very important. Now the word can mean either dragged, okay, or drew, like to be drawn, okay, not draw with a pencil, but. To be drawn aside, okay? Understand? So let me share. I'm going to give you some of the examples of where this word occurs, because it occurs how many times? Five times. That wasn't the quiz question, but it's on the quiz. Okay, so just remember that. So here's one of them. John chapter 21, verse 8 says, this is the story of after Jesus had been resurrected and the disciples Uh, They were kind of discouraged. They'd seen Jesus, but then they just said, Well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. We haven't seen Jesus in a few days. We saw him a few days ago after his resurrection. But, you know, we just don't know what's happened to him, so let's just go fishing. And so they went out fishing. Peter said, Let's get the boat out. Guys, let's go fishing. And so they all went out fishing. And as they were fishing, all of a sudden they saw this man on the shore. And the man said, You know, cast your net on the other side. And so they did and they started hauling in the fish and then they realized, oh, this is Jesus. And Peter, of course, got so excited. He jumped into the water and started swimming because the boat wasn't going fast enough. He just wanted to see Jesus. He was so excited. So here's where the story picks up. John chapter 21, verse eight. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, about about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. So there's that word that occurs five times in the New Testament, and one, this is one of those instances, so it shows you how the translators translated it. They weren't drawing the nets in, there were so many fish, they were dragging them. You understand? Okay? So that word has a couple of different shades of meaning. It can mean either dragged or drawn in. Okay, here's another passage. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 3. This is talking about Saul before he was uh, converted to be the Apostle Paul. And it says here about how he treated the Christians before he was converted. Was Paul, was Saul a nice guy to the Christians before he was converted, or was he mean? He was mean. He was so mean that he would have them arrested and thrown into prison, just for believing in Jesus, okay? So here's what it says. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So he didn't just draw them; he dragged them. Okay. Now we're not going to go through every passage, even though there's only five, but I'm going to share the other two references: Acts chapter 14, verse 19, and Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And these also talk about this instance of being dragged. Okay. So there's these are the four passages: the John chapter 21, the Acts uh, chapter uh, passage with Saul dragging the people off and then these other two references that I have here. So, we go back now to our passage in Revelation, (coughs) and here I put some other translations. Normally, I'll preach out of the New King James, but I use other translations. It's helpful to read other translations so that we can always get a a, a better understanding of the passage. So here's what the New Living Translation says on your left. It says, His tail dragged down one-third of the stars which he threw to the earth. So they chose to translate it as drag rather than drew. Perfectly appropriate, okay? But a little more dramatic, okay? But you get the idea. And then the New International Version, uh, which translates it as swept. It it uses even a much more expressive language. But what we have to understand, and it's a good translation. I'm not saying it's a bad translation. It's a good translation. It says his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. So we can understand what the translators are doing to the best of their ability in this passage is that within the confines of the translator language, they're striving to translate the text so that with the aid of the Holy Spirit, the text can speak to the reader and inform them of the power of the devil's lies. That's what the translators are trying to communicate. They're trying to... Help you, me, as readers of the text to understand what the devil's doing is wicked, okay? Wicked, and his lies are so powerful that they swept a third of the angels out of heaven. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? So if the devil's lies are that powerful, that they can sweep, that they can entice, that they can pull and, and influence so much so that a third of the stars of heaven, a third of the angels say, you know what, God, you really are what the devil says you are. That's, that's essentially what happened. They dwelt in the very presence of God and after experiencing the love of God for however long they did, thousands of years, millions of years, we don't know how long. But when they experienced that love, and then they heard the devil's lies, they chose to say, I don't believe him anymore, I believe this guy, and I'm going to follow him. Now, folks, that puts us on dangerous ground, because if the devil can lie to the angels who stood in the very presence of God, and they believed him, what do you think he can do to us? Right? If the devil, if the lies of the devil are that powerful, perchance can they impact you and I today? Hmm. Yeah. So I want to show with you <clears throat> show you the most effective way to unmask the devil's lies. Are you ready? Now that wasn't the introduction. So we're almost halfway done with the sermon. So don't worry about it. But I just wanted to share that with you. So here's the thing. Few people realize how the devil's lies have impacted our world today. You know, we live in a world in which we have cars, we go to Walmart, we shop here, we go to work over here. We live in this modern world, <clears throat> but we fail to understand how the devil's lies impact us even today. The devil has manufactured a multitude of lies that actually befuddle and impact the inhabitants of everybody on planet Earth. Here's some examples. These are lies of the devil that I'm sharing with you. Okay. The devil says God is the cause of all the suffering in the world today. You ever heard that lie before? When something happens, right? We just had an incident this week. There was this <clears throat> football team, the Kansas City Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl. And whenever that team wins a championship, they always, the town always has a parade in their honor. They had a parade, and what happens? There was a shooting that took place. Okay? Okay. And people, often the question is asked, why does God allow this? Why does God, as if God is the cause of this. You know? It was Jesus who said, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you've already committed murder in your heart. And that's how this thing started. It started as an argument. Somebody had a gun and pulled it out. It wouldn't have mattered whether it was a gun. If somebody somebody would have had a hammer, they could have hit the person. It, It doesn't matter. The point is is that their anger caused them, and that comes from an unconverted heart. And God is willing to convert our hearts. The point is, the devil tells lies. One of them, God is the cause of all suffering in our world today. Another one, God is vengeful. God is vengeful. That's a lie of the devil. We just read in our Sabbath school lesson today, Psalm 136, The mercy of the Lord endures for what? Forever. So if God is vengeful, how could his mercy be everlasting? Okay? So these are this is why God has given us his word. I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag on this message. But all of the devil's lies, of all the devil's lies, the one I'm going to share with you next has perhaps the most powerful impact on humans by creating a negative view of God's character that has actually led more people into disbelief than into belief of God. And the interesting thing is that this is preached from pulpits in churches. And it's actually more people have disbelieved in God because of what's being preached from the pulpit. Okay. And this view is that God allows sinners to suffer the experience of an internally burning hell where they are tormented forever. That is preached from many, not all, but many pulpits in churches, not only here in America, but throughout the world. Okay? And people leave the church rather than come to join the church. Can you imagine that? Okay? And these are being preached as truths that that, that you have to believe this. Okay? Okay? here's, listen to this. This is the Great Controversy, page 536. It says, It is beyond the power of the human mind to estimate the evil which has been wrought by the heresy of eternal torment. The religion of the Bible, full of love and goodness and abounding in compassion, is darkened by superstition and clothed with terror. When we consider in what false colors Satan has painted the character of God, can we wonder that our merciful creator is feared, dreaded, and even hated. The appalling view of God, which has spread over the world from the teachings of the pulpit, have made thousands, yes, millions, of skeptics and infidels. You know, as a church, we want to do what is known as evangelism, and evangelism comes from the Greek word uh, evangelos, Evangelos, and it's a combination of two Greek words. first one is a prefix, uh, the epsilon uh, upsilon, which is, means good, and angelos, which means message. So evangelism is sharing a good message. Okay, and hopefully by sharing that good message, people say, "Yeah, I want to be part of this. I believe what God says. I want to join," and and the church grows as a result of that. We're going to be doing evangelism proclamation this year here in Connecticut because the conference is putting a special emphasis on evangelism this year in the Connecticut area. But you know that the devil actually does... We can't call it evangelism. Yeah, because it's not good. It doesn't have that prefix. And millions of people join him because they believe his lies. But we as a people have to tell the goodness of God and what God is really like, okay? So millions, millions of skeptics and infidels have been converted. They have left Christianity because of this, okay? So this war that started in heaven is primarily a war of ideas, okay? The devil has attempted to portray God in a negative light. He has misaligned the character of God with the intent to cast doubt upon our belief that God loves us. But what I want to do is we want to unmask the devil's lies. Amen? We want to give you the tools, we want to provide for you the means and ways which you can see beyond, see behind what he's really uh, trying to do. So the good news is that God did not remain silent in this war against his character. You know, when this war started, the devil made accusations against God. He swept a third of the stars out of heaven, and it seems like, wow, God's like losing. What's, What's going on here? You know, God got defeated. No, God has not remained silent, amen? He has chosen to respond to these accusations. How so? Well. God's response is recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. Listen to this. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Amen? That's the good news. They did not prevail in this attempt, in this coup d'etat in heaven. They did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. From Genesis to Revelation, folks, the entire Bible is a record of this conflict over God's character. The good news is that when we prayerfully commit ourselves to reading the sacred record, we are given a picture of what God has done, of how God has responded to bring this conflict to a conclusion. And the good news is that when we study the prophetic word, We are introduced to a person in Jesus Christ, the central focus of all of Bible prophecy. He is the reason for what we have in the the scriptures. He is the full revelation of God's character. Listen to this. Remember this story. This took place in the Gospel of Luke. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, but this is after Jesus had been crucified after he was buried. When he rose, he first of course appeared to Mary and then later on to to Peter and John and then to the other disciples. But there was this one particular incident that Dr. Luke records for us where the disciples were on the road to Emmaus. We don't know who they are. I think it was Cleopas and another disciple. But they were on the road to Jerusalem and they met Jesus. But they didn't know it was jesus jesus kind of was traveling a little incognito and he was kind of disguising himself and and they didn't understand and he said hey you know i saw you talking do you mind if i join you on your walk and they said sure and he said what are you talking about he says well are you a stranger in jerusalem you haven't heard what's happened here and he said he said no what what, what happened I said, well it was this man jesus he was a great teacher and he performed miracles and he did all these wonderful things, and we thought he was going to be the deliverer. We thought he was the Messiah. And then they crucified him, and, ah, you know, we're just kind of discouraged. We're despondent. And he said to them, here's what he said. He said, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, of course, they didn't have the New Testament written. But what Jesus did on that road to Emmaus was he gave them a Bible study, starting in Genesis, going all the way to Malachi, and he shared with them from the pages of scripture all the passages that that pointed to him. I would have loved to have been on that road to be part of that Bible study. And here's what it says. Dr. Luke later uh, says this. I won't put it on the screen, but he says, when Jesus finally left them, they said, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way? That's what ought to happen when we study God's word, is that we ought to get heartburn. We ought to get heartburn. Our hearts should be so inflamed with the Spirit of God and what we're learning. We should learn some new truth every day. And we as a Seventh-day Adventist people are in a great danger that we rely upon stock phrases or stock answers rather than going to the Scriptures and studying again afresh, okay? We should never get in the habit that, oh, I know the Scriptures, oh, this same doctrine that we're gonna study today, no, there should be an opportunity to learn something new each and every day. That's my hope and goal. Of course, I wasn't raised Adventist. My wife was. But when I approach the scriptures, I say, Lord, I want to learn something new. I want to learn something new. And he is always faithful. I always learn something new. So here's what the desire of ages says. that uh, well, Let me just say this. Because of the work of Jesus on Calvary, the devil's lies are now exposed for what they are. Listen to this, Desire of Ages, page 758. Not until the death of Christ was the character of Satan clearly revealed to the angels or to the unfallen worlds. The arch-apostate had so clothed himself with deception that even holy beings had not understood his principles. They had not clearly seen the nature of his rebellion. Isn't that amazing? These were angels who had worked with Lucifer before he went south, and they had worked with him, they knew him intimately, and they had fellowship together for, again, for who knows how long, thousands, millions of years, even, maybe even longer. But when he, that seed of iniquity began growing within him, and he began his rebellion, and he began his plottings, we are told by the pen of inspiration, that even these unfallen beings didn't quite understand his intentions. And it took the death of Jesus to fully expose what his plottings were. It wasn't until then, it wasn't until Calvary, that the good angels, the ones who chose to stay behind, said, aha, yeah, this is one bad apple that we're dealing with here. We don't want to have anything to do with him. Okay? They were given the privilege of dwelling in the very presence of God, and they could not understand what he was doing because his lies were so subtle and so deceptive. But listen to this. The Bible is 2,000 years old in in the form in which we have it today. So here's a question. Isn't the Bible just a record of what God has done in the past? In other words, what question... What, what role does God play in our world today in this great controversy between good and evil? Do you understand the question? We look at this, and for our audience, there may be people we may encounter, they say, well, the Bible, the Bible's yeah. But if the Bible, it's an old book. It's 2,000 years old. Sure, it may be talking about what God did back then, but what about our world today? We're a hurting world. You can't even go to a parade without having to wear a bulletproof vest. Okay, that's the kind of world that you and I live in. So the question is, what is God doing today in this great controversy between good and evil? Well, the truth of the matter is God continues to respond to the lies of the devil that run rampant through our world today through the proclamation of the living word of God by the church. So the very fact of our existence, even as small as we are, here gathered today, we have an online audience and we're so grateful that you are joined us. But as I said earlier in the testimony time, the impact that we are having is far reaching because we have people who are responding and saying, listen, I believe in what you're doing over there, I'm gonna support, it. okay? And they're expressing their faithfulness by returning a, you know, a tithe or an offering you know, through the proper channels and, and whatnot. And so it is the church that is commissioned to proclaim the word of God to all the world. And and this happens Sabbath after Sabbath. Now with technology, we're able to broadcast this to all the world. And this is happening all over the church. You know, the church, there's churches in the Philippines, there's churches in Australia, there's churches in Alaska, there's churches in Florida, there's churches in South America, and North America, and Africa, and Europe and Asia. And people are listening to the Word of God and proclaiming the Word of God so that the devil's lies can be exposed. Amen? The duty of the church is to remain faithful to God by staying close to God's Word. And it's because of God's Word that we are knowledgeable about the issues in this conflict and we can then make an informed decision as to responding to God's call to serve and to remain loyal to God. But those who respond to God's call to serve Him are called to express their loyalty to God by keeping all of God's commandments. And this includes the fourth commandment and not a substitute that has been instituted by man. What do I mean by that? Listen to this. Great Controversy, page 593. Those who endeavor to obey all the commandments of God will be opposed and derided. They can stand only in God. In order to endure the trial before them, they must understand the will of God as revealed in his word. They can honor him only as they have a right conception of his character, government, and purposes and act in accordance with them. The quote continues... None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. Let me say that again. None but those who have fortified the mind with the great truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. You know, there's a story I'm reminded of just as I read that in the American Revolution. And what happened was, there was the Battle of Lexington and Concord, and the uh, colonists were able to chase the British back all the way from Concord, all the way back to Boston. And the British went back to Boston, and that's where they were stationed. And the colonists, we'll call them the Americans, what they did was they uh, set up their, their uh, uh, fortifications, part of them on what is known as Breed's Hill, and you heard of the Battle of Bunkers Hill, That took place later, the Lexington and Concord battle took place in April, mid-April, and then the Battle of Bunker Hill didn't happen until about June 18th, so that would have been two months later, but here's what happened, is that the Americans took advantage of the situation, and they, they ended up losing, I think it was after the Battle of Bunker Hill, where they ended up building a new fortification and they did it within one night so that when the British went to sleep at night they really didn't know what was going on they saw hey there's nothing really over there when they woke up in the morning there was an entire fort that had been built (laughs) and and so in order to do something like that you had to work hard and you had to put things together quickly and they had to work very very uh, uh, in an organized fashion so listen to this None but those who have fortified the mind. It doesn't mean, you know, none but those who just read a Bible passage in the morning and then just move on with their day. We're going to have to learn to set things aside that really don't matter, okay? Turn off the TV a little bit earlier in the night, or, um, you know, cancel our favorite TV show, or, you know, something of that na- nature, okay? To spend time to fortify our minds with the truths of the Bible. Because what is looming ahead, I say this not to frighten, but to make us aware so that we can be aware, so that we can understand what the issues are in this great conflict. To every soul will come the searching test. Shall I obey God rather than men? The decisive hour is even now at hand and our feet planted on the rock of God's immutable word. Are our feet planted on the rock of God's immutable word? Are we prepared to stand firm in defense of the commandments of God and of the faith of Jesus? So it's not just the study of God's word that will fortify our minds for the coming conflict. It's the sharing of God's word as well. And as I said, this is why the Southern New England Conference has committed themselves to evangelism, especially here for Connecticut, For this year 2024 because of the conference's commitment to public evangelism they've selected hartford and the connecticut region and we will be participating in that later on in the fall as the focus for evangelism for 2024 in fact next sabbath when next sabbath sabbath afternoon (coughs) they were gonna they had asked if they could host it at the three angels church but we realized we weren't going to have enough space over there so they moved it to the hartford Ghanian Church. They're going to have a rally next Sabbath afternoon, and I would encourage everybody to go over there. This will be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'll be over in Rhode Island, but I'll come back a little bit later. But 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I don't have the address right now, but at the Hartford Ghanian Church, I just got word yesterday from Pastor Kenroy Malcolm that they're going to have that rally over there, and that's over in Bloomfield, Connecticut, so it's not that far from here. It's going to be. It's not like we have to go to Danbury. It's not like we have to go down to Norwich, an hour away. It's just a, you know, a few minutes from here. But they want to bring everybody together, so we can pray together, so we can praise the Lord together, so we can plan. The conference has big plans for this outreach and this evangelism, and I just want to share that that we're all part of this together, together in mission. Okay, and as we do that, just like we had a historical year last year here in the conference, we baptized over a thousand people. Who knows what can take place this year if we all rally together, okay? Because we hope to see, before this year is over, we hope to put a a towel in that tank over there behind me so that we have to dry it out or do something because it got wet because we had baptisms, amen? Not just a baptism, but baptisms, amen? Amen. So, both the Middletown Portland and the Three Angels Church Boards have developed outreach plans for 2024 and they have voted to support the conference work in this area. These plans for the Three Angels Church include, and the Middletown Portland Church include, but are not limited to, uh, we've done the 10 days of prayer, we already did that, that was back in January. We're doing MindFit, that's part of our outreach, and of course here at Middletown Portland, we already do community service with our food pantry, Outreach with health, addressing mental health issues in the community. Uh, We want to be able to train and equip our members. um, And and then, of course, initiate various uh, promotions of these various activities so that we can invite people into our plans of outreach and evangelism. The question is, are you willing to join in this effort? Amen? Are you willing to join in this effort? to be part of this great movement. As small as we are, we can have a big impact. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be with us to do these outreach plans. And many hands will make light work. We don't have many in numbers, but we're going to go by faith that you're going to provide uh, others to assist us in this matter when the load gets too heavy. So thank you, Father, for hearing and answering this prayer. Thank you for giving us your word, the good news that we can proclaim at this time in earth's history. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So.